There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I love the sensation of color. And I remember Shu Imra in Harvey Nichols. It was just like a playground. Yeah. And the fact that everything had such high pigment that looked good on my skin it was literally, it was breath, it literally makes me feel very happy. Anytime I'm depressed or sad, I will go to a makeup counter and look at <laughs> colours. Hello and welcome back. This week's guest is the brilliant, multi-award winning beauty journalist, blogger, director and producer Ate Jewel, who has worked in the industry for over 17 years for amazing titles like Vogue and Tatler and Sunday Times Style and The Telegraph and The Guardian Weekend magazine and Red and Get the Gloss. And I could go on and on. Ate's written for loads of different publications and she's a very, very gifted journalist. But as well as being very gifted, she is also really kind and compassionate and warm, as you'll no doubt come to find yourself as you listen to this episode. So we talk about how beauty has come to mean an awful lot to Ate. It's comfort. She talks about the joy she finds in it and enjoying the colours and the scents and all the sensorial elements. She also talks about some products that are just so niche and I think really speak of her love of beauty. Like She references a lip gloss that came out in 1994. So for Ate, Beauty is not a career, it's a way of life. It's something that has genuinely been part of the fabric of her existence from a very young age. So without any further ado, here's Ate Jewel on her beautiful life. You've said that you were captivated by 1950s studio, you know, that MGM oh, film. Multicoloured, like yeah. music. I mean, growing up, I just loved the colour, the glamour, like mm-hmm. Seven Brides for Seven Sisters and... Mm-hmm. Seven brides for seven brothers or something. Oh, was it brothers? What? what show okay, fine. <laughs> seven brides for, for people who brides. could marry them legally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seven brides for seven, seven brides for seven sisters. Seven humans. Do, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> I loved MGM video. I loved Freddie Stair. Mm. I loved all the colour, all the glamour. It was, you know, I remember trying to bunk off school and saying I was sick so I could watch The Sound of Music. Really? Yeah, it was just pure escapism, pure mm. joy. And I always felt that movies and film were my teachers it mm. was a safe place I mean I had quite an uprooted traumatic childhood but what I could, sense? well my parents got divorced at eight my you know we moved country it was a very acrimonious crazy divorce my dad mm. was like a secret polygamist and had other families and it all came out it was just mm-hmm. it was like you know Dallas on crack mm. and it was just and you know I moved countries you know we moved back to America and then we moved back to London then we moved back to America so there was a did lot did you start in America we I went to school at eight in a Baptist school mm-hmm. and it was very you know I went to a very posh little school in Connaught Square and then suddenly I was in LA asking if Jesus loved me and I was mm-hmm. like what the hell is going on uh <laughs> were your parents religious no but I thought my, I think my mom thought it was the safest place oh, a bit like a catholic school <laughs> exactly in England, right? exactly she's okay. like you know she won't get shot in a Baptist yeah. school yeah so um you know it was very weird but you know so for me a safe place was always film and glamour 
and and colour. I think so that was colour, really the cradle of your love of yeah, beauty. Yeah, I think mm. the colour, the glamour, also the transport. You know, you, transformation. Mm. The fact you can take yourself somewhere transcendent. I think everything mm. I love is about comfort and transforming and taking yourself transcending into another plane. Did you also like the transformation that happens in films? Then, so say Greece, for example, when Sandy oh. comes out at the end, was that a big thing it for you? It was huge. Mm. Um, I always, I don't know, it's who I, I always like, you know what, you should love her for, for who she is. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember even as a little girl thinking, you know what, he should love her even if yeah. she's like playing It's a terrible message as, for children. As, as, as <laughs> Reda's like all dolled up. But I did think, wow, look what you can do. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, Grease was a huge film as well. I loved yeah. it. Right, so you're immersed in these films. Yeah. And then you are living in the 80s at this time? Oh my God. Growing up in the 80s. All about the 80s. All about the 80s. Glamour, shoulder pads, more is more. Mm -hmm. You know, you walk in a room um, and you can smell someone's perfume who's been there 10 minutes ago. Poison and yore. And my mum was a real glamazon, you know? She was a diplomat's wife in the 80s. So it's all kind of like parties at the Dorchester and (gasps) giving me a kiss goodnight and then wafting out of the house. So... I had a lot of glamour in my life and, you know, my mum always wore red lipstick and things like that. So were you trying it on yourself or were you just watching and absorbing? I was always trying on myself because I would say, like, one of the first presents my mum ever bought me was a little beauty palette. And I literally died. It was Where was just, it from? I can't even remember. I think it was something cheap, like Argos okay. or something. Okay. Okay. It was just like, go knock yourself out. Yeah, yeah. And I would just play with, it was just the colours. Mm-hmm. I think, and I would just put makeup on myself. I'd put makeup on her. I, she used to let me cut her hair and put rollers in. Mm-hmm. I was just that kid always obsessed with beauty. But the 80s wasn't a very culturally diverse time. Mm-hmm. Like the role models were, were Kylie, Madonna. Yes. Um, Banana Rama. For me, it was Grace Jones. Okay. Um, Iman Mm -hmm. but what really irritated me they were always sort of fetishized you know it was mm-hmm. like you know tia maria the princess of the dark you know it's yeah, all like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was uh grace jones like i loved conan i watched all the movies i shouldn't have been allowed to watch mm. so i loved conan the barbarian and conan the adventurer all these really crazy movies and grace jones was in that and she was um had i remember having a little mink tail so it was always black women as a like a panther or an animal or a beautiful mystical creature and mm. i remember even then it irritated me but that was all i got kind of thing so yeah. Um, I'm still a huge fan of Grace Jones, but it's the, the way it's the black, other. yeah, black women, yeah, you're you're yeah. always other, yeah, you're always mystical, you're always sort of like a sexy animal. Mm. So that irritated me, and I could see it even then that was irritating. But you know, you get but now even more so. Yeah, I mean, now that you have children, mm. so you have two children. I've got twin girls who mm. are delicious. They're six, Ola and Adana, mm. and the things you can put up for yourself, or the things you kind of bury for yourself, you say no because I think when you become a mother, you become a tiger, yeah. and you can swallow a lot of stuff for yourself, but not for your children. You Mm. you get very brave for your children. Mm. And I'm just like, no, I don't want them growing up the way I did. Always feeling sort of apologetic or ashamed about your hair or your otherness. Mm. And it it, it is difficult being always other. You know, in my school, I was a black girl. Even I went to a very, I went to lovely, lovely schools, but you're always like one in a, in a million yeah. or you know you're always and my daughters go to a brilliant school completely diverse people from all over the place amazing but they still cry about not having mm. uh hair like elsa yeah they still see themselves as other and it bothers them because everyone it's hard to be different 
Yeah, absolutely. And also as a child, you really feel that more. Yeah. So were you very aware of that when you were younger? Do you think you just buried it? Oh, I was very aware. I was very aware. Mm. Um, I was like, why don't I have hair like my friends? Like, mm. why... Were you asking these questions? Were you verbalising them? Uh, yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, my mum was freaking out. So she got mm. me... My auntie who lived in uh, America sent me a Barbie doll. I remember this is one of the pivotal moments in my life. She, she's my mum with like an SOS across the Atlantic. Please help my child. And she sent me this black Barbie who looked like a prostitute. Okay. <laughs> she had this big... Great. <laughs> she had the big synthetic afro. Okay. She had like red lipstick, which no other Barbie had. And she kind of wore this kind of lace 70s disco inferno. I'm going to Studio 55 to blow some, you know, 54. So not massively appropriate for a kid. No! And I was just like, and that just kind of sums it all. Yeah. That even on that level, the Barbie has to be the sexy kind of prostitute. I'm going to mm. go blow 10 guys in a club. It can't, it can't be glamorous. It can't be like, you know... Um, or just even sweet. It can't be sweet. Yeah. yeah. It, can't it has be to like... be something that is fierce. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Um, tell us about your first product. Okay. First product, I would say, is Lip Smacker. Okay. Lip Gloss from the 80s. Okay. I don't know. Cause this is the thing. My auntie used to send it over to me. And every time we went to America to visit family, I'd buy it. And it was just, it smelled so synthetic, so mm. like over-perfumed, had little glitter bits in it. But it was just like a magic stick for me. Was it in one of those rollerball yeah, those, yeah, dispensers? They, they had a rollerball dispenser, yeah. but also, I also liked the ones where it had a wand. Right. And I used to, and it was, I just found it so magical because it smelled of vanilla. I felt like a grown up and I just felt I've made it. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a grown woman. I may be 10, but I'm a grown goddamn woman. Yeah. <laughs> and that synthetic smell is so 80s. I remember yes. like everything smelled like plastic then. Yeah. And like yeah. all the grape rubbers. Everything was about sn- sniffing and putting things up. Yeah. Multi-sensory. It was Multi-sen- very strange. Yeah. Just like smelly rubbers and yeah. all these smells and things. But I used yeah. to... It, and I, I mean, I went to live in America when I was little. I was in um, Florida when I was 11. Mm. And I went to live with family and my mom couldn't be there for various visa reasons Mm. and so I was by myself as a lot of my childhood I was alone I felt very vulnerable I felt very isolated Mm. and I just remember whipping out the stick and smelling it and feeling comfort so a lot of I realized a lot of things in my life is the search for comfort Mm. and vanilla is very comforting they even use it for addiction well it smells like baking as well yeah which is another comfort yeah yeah. like like you know in for rehab they always say smell vanilla yeah 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 for like addiction vanilla is very comforting it helps with like if you're trying to quit smoking or something Mm -hmm. and I realized then I was probably self-medicating with this (laughs) vanilla very young Age. Yeah, at a very young age with this yeah. vanilla, and any time I felt bad, I would just like whip it on and feel good. So that connection between feeling good and feeling safe and beauty was very early. Right. Yeah. And what was making you feel bad? Was it this sense of otherness, or were there other things going on? I mean, um, I know there was your parents' divorce, which was obviously stressful. My parents' divorce. I was literally. It was like as if an alien abducted you and put you in a different planet. Mm. I was in this high school in Florida yeah. in the eighties, which. God bless Florida, but it was the back end of beyond. Mm. It was redneck city. And, you know, my brother almost got beaten up for talking to a blonde cheerleader. And coming from London, we had never experienced that. Everyone was from everywhere. You you wouldn't be threatened just mm. speaking to someone 
you know. So there was a lot of racism there. A lot of racism, yeah. a lot of like people were very highly sexualized. I remember at 11, everyone's talking about blowjobs, and I was like, what? I was just yeah. like, you know, yeah. I was such yeah. a little girl. I was yeah. such a little prim and proper girl. And I remember people would steal my stuff, and I was very bored. Um, it was just, it was just weird. I yeah. just was like, what the hell am I doing? Where am I? And then my family situation at home was quite aggressive. I didn't feel I was wanted. You know, I mean, God bless my aunt and uncle, but I was kind of like, kind of dumped there with my mm. brother. So it was just a lot of, it was a lot of very traumatic stuff going on. So it plenty was, you wanted to medicate from them, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, and it was just, yeah, I, I was very isolated as a child. Yeah. So that, hence the retreat into film, into beauty, into yeah. things which were beautiful. And what about writing? When did that come in? Um, I remember writing my first book when I was nine. You wrote your first book when you were nine? <laughs> it was so obnoxious. No wonder you're so awfully accomplished. <laughs> I wrote my, 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 my first book at nine. Yeah. And I, and what was I, it about? Do you remember? Do you want to know how creepy this is? I really do. It was about twins. I didn't know that there were loads of twins in the family. Mm. I just had a thing about writing about a set of twins, a boy and a girl twin who lived in a haunted house and how they had seen apparitions. I don't know what the hell I was on. Sounds like a good horror film. It's quite, yeah, I love horror. And okay. I remember writing this at nine, which is, which is probably not good. But um, yeah, and I remember drawing, I, I, I made it and I drew the, the front cover and I wrote my name on it. And I was always, um, yeah, I always liked, I always loved stories mm-hmm. and writing. But more... Probably more stories than writing, I'm going okay. to be honest. So you're taking yourself away into magical worlds. Yes, yeah, yes, Out yes. of your life. So tell me then about going to Bristol. So Bristol was amazing. I Did you move back to the UK before that? Or... Yeah, we moved back to the UK around 12. Okay. And then I was uh, here until A-levels. And then I went, I got into, I mean, should I say the whole story? Yeah. By all so means. like, I got into Oxford. Yeah. I completely, can I swear? Completely, you, of course. <laughs> swear completely away. fucked up my geography A level. Okay, thought I, my life was going to end, and mm-hmm. I cried for a week because I was like, "How it was so bad." My geography A level was so bad. They're yeah. like, "I'm sorry, we could, we would have taken you if it was like a little bit higher." But like, had you really had your sights set on Oxford? I didn't think I'd get into Oxford. I didn't want to go to Oxford, but I did it because my headmistress at the time said they didn't want my kind. I'll how, show you. Yeah, sorry. How did she say that to you? She said it just like that. She said... Um, Did you I, cry? No, I was... I mean, I was very lucky because I had such a tough upbringing. No one scared me. I'm quite fearless. It's like, if my p- parents can kind of like rock my world, who the hell are you to talk to me? And I remember saying to her, oh, I'm thinking about replying here, there, whatever. And she's like, oh, they, they don't want your kind. And I said, what kind is that? The A student? Yeah. And she had nothing to say. And so just to say kind of fuck you... I applied and I was the only one who got in. And then she avoided me in the halls. And when I saw her, uh, I said, oh, hello. And she said, oh, who's a clever girl then? And I said, I am. And so (laughs) the whole point was just like, it was a kind of like, oh, no, I don't think so. So, but you know, when I got in, I was like, oh, actually, this is quite good. And so when I tanked my geography, it was devastating. Mm. And I just thought my whole life is over. Everything's horrific. I'm never like, how do I bounce back from this? And then I got into Bristol. And then I walked in the lecture, and in the first lecture of uh, Bristol, I met my husband. And I went, oh, okay. That's Did you why. know it straight away? Yeah, I'm really witchy. So okay. I, I saw him, and I said, if that, and it was a crowded hall, it was a crowded hall, about 200 people. He was 20 minutes late, because he was like that, he's gangster, didn't care. He walked in, mm-hmm. 
and he had a hat which said Africa on and he's like this tall blonde public school boy and I thought wanker and I thought oh my god if that wanker boy walks over to me we're gonna get married did he walk over to you like a heat-seeking missile really so weird and so he walked over to me and he was like hey what's up (laughs) and you thought you're the one (laughs) I did I was just like oh god what's going on and I and I, I remember then thinking oh okay that's why I didn't go to Oxford because I've met my husband here I really believe in fate and I think you have I really believe you have a lot of um you have a lot of control over decisions but I do think it's think some things are out of your hands and I was like oh okay that's why that happened tell us about your second product my second product is let me just have a little look see that's so fascinating doing this I was like going through my rolodex of beauty products yeah okay this is a big one for me this was a like amen moment viva las vegas which is a lipstick from Mm -hmm. nars 1994 what colour is it? It's, I don't think it's, it's around anymore, but it's kind of this metallic pink. And it was, it was like, from, on me it was a nude. Mm. It was a really pretty nude. And I remember walking into Brook Street, where Space and K was, in 94. And at this point, going to Selfridges, going to Harrods, going to Harvey Nichols, mostly was a very traumatic experience for me. Because, Why? You know, you'd have women saying, oh, sorry, dear, we don't have your colour black girls don't do pink that's another thing that has really traumatized me black girls don't do pink black girls don't blush it'd be ridiculous to even try a blush on you so all these negative like so the beauty hall was like i would say it's like paradise in a prison paradise mm. in, in terms of there were all these colors and you know when mac and shu imura came it was like Woo-hoo! but mm. then it was also you know a lot of like reinforcing that you were other not for you we don't care you're not good enough and taking all the fun and play out of beauty and making it about this is what you should be doing exactly so so when i walked into space and k it was like my church a beautiful serene created space of products and when i first discovered nars there Mm. it was just mind-blowing because he had very dark colors for Mm. foundations all the pigments were super rich and i talked Back in the 90s, when I was a teenager, you'd put something on, you'd put an eyeshadow on, and it was like dust. It was like ash. It wouldn't even show up on my skin. Mm -hmm. So to go to a counter where you put one slick and it was colour true was just mind-blowing for me. And to find a pretty nude pinky lip colour that on me looked very natural Mm -hmm. was just mind-blowing. And I still have it. I Do still you? have it in my. I still have it in my little. Is it archive. worn down? Little it? worn out, like a little stump, <laughs> and tiny I just, stump. Little, tiny stump, and it just means so much to me. It was just so fabulous and reinforcing what I felt on the inside about myself, yeah. which was glamour and fun and aspirational and luxury. When other people were talking about like nutmeg and chestnut and espresso, and just shoving you into that, and all yeah. this, yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I am, yeah. you know. I'm all those wonderful things. I'm Studio 54. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was very important to me. Yeah. And I love Nars to this day. Okay. So you've graduated from uni. Mm-hmm. You have your degree in history. Yeah. You have your man. Yes. <laughs> Tell me what happened next. So I thought I would, I, you know, I thought, God, what's the most artistic businessy thing I could do? Because no one tells you about the fun jobs. So I thought advertising. And I did a course in Watford which was like one of the best at the time in advertising. And I hated every minute of it, apart from the projects where you 
got to do like um, an advertorial, you know, like advertising campaign. It was always beauty. Okay. <laughs> I've so always they been... advertised so much. Yeah. I was just like always doing beauty campaigns yeah. in my in my homework. And I remember making this compact. And to get into this course, I did a, a Chanel compact mm-hmm. and wrote in every section the things about me and like like all you know all this marketing stuff. Oh, that sounds great. And I sold myself through a compact, which yeah. is how I got onto the course. And I remember just doing this project, and this girl said to me. Why are you here? Why aren't you in? Like, why are you here? You hate this. And I was like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> and but I'm not a quitter. I've never mm-hmm. walked away from anything. So even though I didn't like, and then I went and I I got myself some work experience at Saatchi and Saatchi, mm-hmm. and I really didn't like it. So when you're going in every day and you're hating it, yeah, what's motivating you? I'm not a quitter, but you know, I I was very lost, and I just suddenly thought, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to quit, and it was the first time in my life I ever quit. But it was actually a really powerful moment for me. I was very lost, and I said to my mum, "What am I going to do?" Mm. And my mum gave me the best advice in the world. She said, "Make your hobby your job, and you never feel like you're working." I was like, "Oh God, okay, I can knock out an essay, mm-hmm. and I love beauty. Is that a job?" And my first ever job in the world was at Instyle. Was it now? Yes. Tell me how you got that job. So the first issue launched. Okay. And I was a big fan of American InStyle. I was always reading American magazines. Mm-hmm. And um, I called up Carmen Alli- Carmel Allen, who is amazing. And I sort of phone stalked her for two weeks. By that, you mean you called repeatedly? Yes. Until, yes. How many times? Just on politely. Our... Okay. Polite stalking. You were nudging. I was just like, hello, 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 hello. And... Um, I sort of said, oh, you know, I live around the corner. Can I please come in with my CV? You know, I can mm-hmm. be there in five minutes. And um, she's like, okay, sure, come. And I, I didn't know at the time where it was. So I was just mm-hmm. bluffing. And I just thought, like, I just dropped in a taxi and got there. Yeah. And then I remember speaking to a lovely lady called Elizabeth, who I'm still friends with. And we had a conversation about Chanel makeup. She's like, Chanel makeup, discuss. And I was like, sweet Jesus, there is a place for me in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was working for Esther Lauder, the bureau where you work as a consultant. Okay. They train you across all the brands. And I, I, I thought of myself as a Charlie's angel of beauty. So if there's a beauty emergency, I'd rush to Harrods or something. Lipstick wielding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. And uh, I'd be on counter. And that's the part I really loved. I loved talking to women and hearing all their stories and, mm. and, and, um, because it was like being a bartender, you know? It's like women really reveal themselves and talk. You know, beauty is so important. And I was working at the bureau and then I I went to bed completely depressed because I was like, there is a place for me. There is a place where I can talk about Chanel makeup. Mm. I can be creative and artistic and this is acceptable. And this is, not only is it acceptable, you will excel. And I was really depressed and I completely did a bunk and I didn't go to work the next day because I was like, no. And I thought, oh. I was just so depressed that I want that I wasn't part of this world. Right. And they called me. Okay. The day I did a bunk, they called me saying, "Can you come in? Someone's sick." And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and then oh. I came in the next day, and then the next day, and Carmel was like, "Oh, just stay forever, Atto." And that's Incredible. how I got my first job in beauty. And then it was, I was what, amazing. What year was that? Two thousand one. So at that point, did you feel like the color of your skin had any impact in working in the beauty industry or in journalism? Um... I mean, I have been lucky because I've had the best education money can buy. Mm -hmm. And what that does for you, it gives you Teflon coating. It makes you feel like you're the master of the universe. It gives you a kind of like, no, what I say is important. Mm. Hence all those Etonians in government. My God, (laughs) people who really shouldn't be there. (laughs) But God damn it, 
confidence. It's yeah, confidence. It's, Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's confidence. So yeah. I always had confidence in myself and right. my ability. Yeah. And I always felt I should be somewhere based on my ability. Mm. And I was very lucky that I found very, this, in, I have found kindred spirits in this industry who saw me. Mm. Karma was one of them, Kathleen Badmari at Tatler. Mm. They, and these are really amazing women who, after I had interviews with them, I said to my, I said to my mum, if I didn't work there, I just want to have a coffee with them. I remember saying right. that going, I just, I just want to hang out with these people because they're cool. It's the most incredible thing. If mm. you can think, think that about your colleagues or the people in yeah. your industry that you actually would want to be friends with them. That's yes. Like, yeah. Like, um, so I've been very lucky that the people who have helped me in this industry have seen me. Mm. Yeah. So I've been, yeah. And that's, that's not been an issue. Yeah. What's your third product? Third product is Mac face and body in N9. Now this was a, like I went to school in Knightsbridge. Mm-hmm. I went to a Catholic girl school in Knightsbridge. I lived in Harvey Nichols. Okay. I lived by the Harvey. You've really been all over. <laughs> yeah. I lived in, I lived by the, the Mac counter mm-hmm. and I could never afford anything. So they'd always just pour it into this little, they used to have little Aww. white pots. I, so when you're a beauty lover and you have no money, yes. those little free things mean oh, everything to you. Sacred. Yeah, yeah. sacred. So yeah. I used to go up there every couple of weeks and like yeah. have them like pour little samples into this pot. Yeah. And I used to live off that. Foundation when you're darker is always horrific because it is to, to try to find your colour. Things are too ashy. Things are too um, orange and angry. You know, a lot of colour. I mean, I mean, I'm 39 mm. and I still don't have a colour I'm in love with. Really? But, no. Or a concealer. Okay. I'm always blending. I'm always mixing because maybe the the coverage is great, yeah. but I don't like the fact it has you know certain chemicals, or it's like you know, mm. or it's too perfumed for me, or something, or a formula is really great, but it's matte because mm. I don't know why people are obsessed with doing darker colors matte because mm-hmm. I think darker skin tones can be oily, and therefore companies assume everyone wants to be matte. No, I love radiance. I'm gonna glow. So finding and I want the choice, and I want the choice. So it's it's literally like the Goldilocks of foundation. It's really difficult. What are you wearing now? Because your skin looks really glowy now. Oh, thank you. This is Bobby Brown, who I love. Mm. Um, their cushion. They were one of the first yeah. ranges that really did all skin tones well. Yes, and also didn't have um, a pinky undertone. They understood right. about undertones. Because I think with darker skin, people get overexcited. Because dark skin can take so much makeup, it is very exciting to do an electric blue peacock on me. I was about to say, when makeup artists yes. get your face, do they go, oh, can we just slick on some metallic blue eyeshadow or it, green? It, I tell you what, I think makeup is like being an assassin. <laughs> like Leon. Okay. <laughs> Stay with me. I am. So, you know, have you seen the movie Leon? I have. Yeah. So, you know, he when he trains her yes. to be a killer... Isn't that, um, what's her name? Natalie, Natalie Portman. Portman. That's it, yeah. He says, you start out with the rifle. Yeah. And then you end with the knife. Mm-hmm. Now, I can always tell a, a great makeup artist, because simple is hard. Yes. To do a natural, buffed, beautiful, simple, you but just a little bit better, is the hardest makeup. It's the knife of makeup artistry, mm-hmm. assassinhood. So I can always tell some, a, a makeup artist, because they see me. They pull it back. They don't get overexcited. And they do beautiful, naturally glossy makeup for me. Yeah. It's always a marker of someone who's really good. Yeah. Where they, they they suppress the need to put an acid orange on me. And instead they do like a, a buffed bronzy taupe or something. Washes of colour. Wash, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like for me, my icon is like Kate Moss in the 90s. <laughs> that, but for, for me, but I, you know, that's what I'm still searching for. That look on me, on a dark skin. 
it's hard when you're it's like when you go into the hairdresser and you go oh I have this picture and I, by the way I know that I don't look at all like Kate yeah. Moss obviously blah, blah, blah. but that vibe could you get <laughs> yeah. that vibe <laughs> and then we think that you do like that I mean, but you like, want exactly that you're like no. no I want the vibe I want the vibe the mood yeah, yeah. yeah so exactly. glossy natural juicy pumped up glossy skin natural makeup me at 19 yeah. after I've been dancing all night and splashed my face with water the dream that's the dream Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The titles you've written for, mm. when I was looking at them, I was like, how, when, what did you do? So you were at Instyle and then mm. you just decided to go freelance? So um, I went to Tatler for mm-hmm. a year and a bit and then at about 20 I want to say 23 I think yeah, probably 23 so you're young yeah, yeah I think when you're young you're very fearless as well because mm-hmm. you think what's the best what's the worst that can happen yeah you know and um also like in my life the you know what the worst thing has happened so it can't really get any worse than what I've been through age eight. Yeah. So like, who cares? Plus you're so ridiculously positive. Oh, yeah. That's so, just you. So, yeah. I, you know, so I was like, well, what's the worst can happen? So I went freelance, 23, I think I was 24. First month, I got like a Sunday time style, a daily mail. Were you pitching? A day, yeah, yeah. And how did you find that process? Was that scary or difficult? Or Not at all. I'm half Nigerian. I think it's like the law. Fact. To, to, to not be scared. You to, knock down those doors. To, yeah. just, to knock down the doors and to be... I don't want to say aggressive, but like, I want what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared. I tell you what, I'm not scared of rejection. That's interesting. I, I, I'm not scared of rejection when I know what I'm saying has value. Does that make sense? Yes, but it also makes sense that if you're not scared of rejection, you're mm. much less likely to be rejected because you're not coming from a place of fear. You're coming from a place of passion. It's a very yeah. different thing to feel like, I've got something I want to do yeah. and to approach someone, it resonates in a way that's different to being meek and scared and yeah. nervous. It's a very I'm different more f- thing. I'm more afraid of failure. Okay. Um, Overall or in... Yeah, I'm more afraid of failure than I am of rejection. Does okay. that make sense? It's yeah. weird. So that spurs you on. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Like a burning desire not to fail. If, is, yeah. if your copy then comes back with corrections mm-hmm. or people say, well, I didn't love that, redo it. How... Are you fine with that? You're... No, I find it devastating. Okay, but you keep going. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, like devastating. I'd be really upset about it. But then I'm also a people pleaser. So that kind of helps as well. Mm. So like, you know, I want, 
I want to make sure it's it's I'm servicing yeah. that person. Yeah. So I think being a kind of like OCD, compulsive, people pleasing, overachiever is very good for in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you'll also work loads exactly. for very little money at times. Exactly. That's another thing about it. Yeah. Let's do your fourth product before we go into what's going on in your life now. Um, fourth product would have to be this is very difficult because I was thinking because I love colour so much. I was thinking, like, shoot. I was saying about how Shootamura was really important to me. I got to meet him, and I almost had a breakdown Did and you? cry. He was a, such a beautiful, serene man mm. and such an artist. And I think artistry is a really big thing for me. Mm. It's like one of my daughters. She loves. We take her to pottery. She's so sensorial. Mm. She's always like, from the minute this child was born, she was stuffing stuff, you know, smearing food and feeding sand and mud. And I have, and I, I can see that in myself. Mm. In that, I love the sensation of colour. And I, I remember Shu Imra in Harvey Nichols. It was just like a playground. Yeah. And the fact that everything had such high pigment that looked good on my skin. It was literally, it was breath, it literally makes me feel very happy. Anytime mm. I'm depressed or sad, I will go to a makeup counter and look at mm. colours. So that's like your Tiffany's. Yeah, it's yeah. colour therapy. Yeah. And just smear and put it all over my hand. And if I come back with my hands full of makeup, that's a good day for me. Yeah. That makes me feel really happy. Yeah. And so I would say, and I remember the first colour I ever bought was like an iridescent pink to say again fuck you to that woman mm-hmm. who said I couldn't wear pink um, it was you a... <laughs> go in wearing your pink and be like no. yeah, you should have done um, yeah. and uh, it was an iridescent pink and it looked white in the pot yeah and then you speared it on your, ha- on your hand and it became this warm rich pink mm. which just literally popped on my skin and that is yeah and that's the magic of makeup so in what it looked white and it looked like it should i should have no business near my skin Mm -hmm. and then you put it on it was all it was like come and you're welcome that was in that one product it's why i love beauty yeah it's like this is for you it's ma it's magic yeah because it's 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 not what it appears to be yeah it's fun and playful and it made me feel good about myself. And it's so transformative. Yeah. 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 So are you a makeup everyday person now? Um, yes. Is that your playtime in the morning? It's my fun. It's like, I think there's, a lot of women have hysterical beauty where it's like, oh, I could never go to the, I could never get a pint of milk without a full set mm. of lashes. And, mm. and I don't get that. I can mm. walk around with no makeup. I'm not bothered. So your bare face isn't a thing of fear for you. It's more no. that the makeup is joy. Makeup is joy. Makeup yeah. is fun. Makeup is an expression of who I am and what I'm feeling. And I always used to like, because at my school we had no school uniform, which was really weird. Mm-hmm. And um, like every day I would come dressed as a character. <laughs> yeah. I was really like in my own head. So it was amazing. <laughs> so yeah. I'd be like, oh, sailor. Yeah. Like, you know, like a French sailor meets a this, meets a that. Do you know what? I yeah. still dress a bit like that. In the yeah. mor- like I sometimes feel in the morning. Today I'm feeling like, I, I don't really think this is how I dress. I just think, oh, I'll dress a little bit like this person or that person. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, char- like characters. Yeah, like characters. Yeah. Um, so I always loved that, you know. I remember, like, I had a like a bear. I had a friend, like a grey beret with a berry lip one, you know, amazing, like, you know, and like you know all these like I always used to dress as a character or something yeah. fun or. And you have got those classic film references yeah. as well. So there's so much in the bank. Oh my god, so many like like, like feline flips yeah. and all these yeah, things. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. So makeup has always been fun for me. Yeah, it's been playtime and it's been about expressing yourself in a healthy way. So. This brings me quite neatly mm-hmm. to your blog. Yes. I want to read the mission statement before 
I talked to you about it because I, I find it extraordinary and I was really quite moved by it. Okay, so Atty's written, I created dual tones, be- dual tones Beauty for my daughters. So one day when they're teenagers and young women, they will never feel the way I felt. When I walked into a beauty hall, I felt unrepresented and neglected. I want to invoke change in the beauty industry so there is choice and a celebration of darker skin tones and not just token products and services. I don't want to feel like I'm diverse, like I'm other and a strange category. I'm here, I'm normal, I'm relevant, I'm empowered and I demand to be catered to with respect and creativity. I want that for my daughters and for you. I grew up ashamed and estranged from my hair and I don't want that for them. No, not on my watch. Mama's going to make a change. This site is to enable women around the world to feel beautiful, empowered, playful, creative, balanced, peaceful, and full of positivity through the amazing medium of beauty. I welcome your views, experiences, and interaction. That's quite a mission statement. Oh, thanks. Tell me first Mm -hmm. about the... So the messaging of beauty being an amazing mm. medium, which I know you've explained now, mm-hmm. but lots of people attribute a lot of negativity yeah. and a lot of you should be, this is the way mm-hmm. to beauty. So how do you reconcile those two separate views? I mean, it's very, I think, as a history student, mm. I know that beauty has been, there's a lot of suspicion around beauty. It's very puritanical. If you want to really get into it, it's around uh, uh, King James and there's all these laws were passed. What year was him? Uh, hey, like uh, 1600. 16, okay. And it was all about suspicion and trickery. Mm. Makeup was a form of trickery. And if you think about um, people who had venereal diseases and the pox, you'd put a little beauty mark to hide. And then, okay. you know, if you spent the evening with them and then got a rash, yeah. it's like you have literally tricked me. <laughs> but people still say that on Twitter. I yeah. find that so annoying when people are like, oh, this is her without makeup. How different she looks. Bah. Like, yeah. <laughs> obviously. It's ridiculous. There's paint yeah. on her face. Yeah, so, I, exactly. So I, I find that kind of like a misogyny. Yes. Of like women's tricks, it's very kind of you know St Thomas Aquinas. It's very medieval yes. that women are these sirens who will make men destroy their kingdoms and their loyalty through their you know vaginas yeah. and yeah. their and their art yeah. artful makeup. So I I see when people talk to me like that, I've, I'm like, oh, you don't even know where this is coming from, but mm-hmm. this is where it's, it's coming from medieval misogyny, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, there has never been a culture or a time or a people who have not celebrated or expressed who they were through without beauty. So if you have like tattooing in like, you know, Polynesia, mm-hmm. you know, that is a that is a form of expression of being a warrior of mm-hmm. artfulness. Yeah. You have um, you know, like uh, Native Americans who, you know, you have war literally war paint and you have all these different ceremonies and rituals. I'm really I'm all about rituals and mm. how we celebrate who we are and what we think we are through different mediums of like what you pray to, what you worship, how you worship, how you adorn yourself. It's all about the inside. It's all about the spirit, which is really interesting. Mm. Like I mean, I've had so many dinner parties where people think I'm really dumb. Um, it's, Why? It's because they think be- you're stupid if you do beauty. It's like yeah. you messed up on something. Yeah. It's like, oh, you could have been that, but you had to do this. And yes. I'm like, no, I choose it with a whole heart. And I always say to people, you know, when you go, to, when when people in this in the in the Second World War mm-hmm. were taken to a death camp, or any time in any part of history where you were taken to a concentration camp or a death camp, what are the first two things they do to you? What are they? They shave your head and they mm-hmm. take your clothes. Because that is the first step to dehumanize you. 
it is very easy to kill you mm. when I can take these things away from you and dehumanize you because it is a huge thing of what makes you a person mm. and I think I don't see how there is anything more powerful than that no and the sense of self the sense yeah. of self you go to the army they take you they change your clothes they shave your head mm. because they want to break you down and build you up in an image that they need it is fundamental and I mean I was talking to a doctor at a party once and I said you know what you do is amazing to be a doctor but you could patch someone up all day long but if they want to die and kill themselves it's kind of pointless mm-hmm. do you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. like it's like do you know what I mean yeah. and that's my that's my territory yeah. which is spirit self-esteem how you see yourself how you express yourself and how you know so you know one isn't without the other yeah and also it can still be a balm for so sorry I'm just thinking because yeah. when my aunt died when I was about 10 or 11 one of the things that I did as a child who was really ill-equipped to cope with yeah. grief was to spend a long time do you remember spectacular nail polishes yeah many colors yes. I used to have maybe 50 in all colors and i spent a long time deciding whether i should wear sparkly black which i think was called onyx sparkle or mm. just plain black to the funeral yeah this was my coping mechanism but it Big was time. hugely important to me yeah and i still remember that moment as being something it was something real to cling to that yeah. also gave me a sense of self this was my way of going yes. to an event it's so it's so important yeah and you're channeling so much through it it's so important the way you see yourself the mm. way you express yourself and it can be and people express themselves, even though people who are not interested in beauty or fashion, mm. every day they're, they're, they're making choices, which yeah. they, they are. Do you find also, though, that people will sometimes go, oh, yeah, I'm not really into the beauty industry. But yeah. then mm. they will then also go, but could you just tell me what the best anti-wrinkle eye yeah, cream is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or I have a lot. It's all rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's all rubbish. But, it's all like beauty creams. It's all lies and rubbish. And, I, and I'm like, well, that's a little bit like me saying... Like a, like a foodie, there's a lady who was a huge foodie. She mm. said, oh, the beauty industry, it's all rubbish and lies and all these expensive creams, it's all rubbish. And I said, that's a little bit like me saying food is rubbish. Like, I'm a big foodie. It's like yeah. saying there's there's no difference between a turkey escalope you have in Milan and a turkey Twizzler. Yeah. Uh, it's like all, calories it's in, t- calories out. Yeah, it's all yeah. turkey. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. no, one's yeah. like, like you know, organic, hand-grown with butter and you yeah. know, ingredients, yeah, yeah. other's chemical, like, you know, whatever. I'm like, you know, there's a huge spectrum. Of course, there's like a lot of snake oil in this industry, <laughs> like there is in every industry. And of course, there's a lot of artisan, beautiful, spiritual products too. Mm-hmm. And to love everything in the same category is just stupid. So many people level all these awful accusations at social media about it being, you know, an awful place to be, a place of abuse, all of this. And yet, again, you're overwhelmingly positive on social Mm. media. And it seems that you get a lot of positivity back. Yeah. So is that just your approach? Um, I mean, I believe in karma. You get what you you get, what you're you get you receive what you give mm-hmm. i mean i've been trolled and i think it's i mean i've been trolled on the like i did a, a an article for the daily mail years ago about fertility envy because i lost a lot of friends when i was pregnant um mm. something people never talk about because i think fertility is such another huge issue yeah. and i wrote this whole article saying i lost a lot of friends a lot of people were saying it's not fair you're having twins i'm doing ivf and all this it was horrible and i lost it's about very two strange or, response. very strange and there was a huge outpouring because it was a, I think I pricked something that people hadn't spoken yeah. about and all, I had loads and loads of comments. And one of the comments was, oh, she looks like an American footballer playing dress up, which to this day I find horrifically funny. Sorry. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> I'm astounded that people talk to people like that. No, it's so funny. You know what? If you say it to my face, 
I will accept it. I'm quite hard like that. That doesn't bother me. Okay. I found it. If Did you apply? I didn't because I was a bit scaredy cat at the time. Yeah. It was about five years ago and I didn't, it was the beginning of social media. Yeah. I wish I had now, but my husband says you're very Nigerian. You have a very good sense of, you, you, like, if it's funny, you can say anything. You can be offensive as long as it's funny. Uh, that's that's my standard, my golden rule. I think that's also, actually, <laughs> I, I my parents are foreign, so I don't really have this, but you know, I see a lot of in British families when they're like, oh, come over here, you know, you fool or you, you know, yeah. they're very rude to each other's, yes. about looks and things. Yeah. So like, you know, you skinny twit and things yeah. like that. And I find that hilarious, yeah. but only if it's said with love. Yeah. And I think that's, the yes, difference that's the difference me. i mean my teflon coping that doesn't bother me but in terms of social media i find it to be an um, like everything you know heaven and hell the, the heaven side of social media is an incredibly sharing place yes when people are generous with who they are and with their spirit and that's a really very inspirational thing for me also when i started to transition with my hair which means um i went from straight relaxed hair to natural hair okay and that's where you are now exactly which was only about two years ago okay so like up until 37 i had weaves like braids i had um straightened my hair and i never had my own natural hair out it was something to be ashamed of like my mom would say atta your roots are showing go sort yourself out sort yourself out yeah like do not present yourself to the world like that that. yeah but how do you feel then about stars who like you know i'm thinking beyonce although i know that she's a great role model but i just mean because she'll often have like long Mm -hmm. fake hair on or weaves on i you know what i say do whatever you want just as long as it comes from a place of empowerment so for me having all these things was to hide Mm. was shame Mm. now the same as putting on a red lipstick a nude lipstick uh, you know like a purple lipstick a black lipstick i don't care just as long as it's like i love my lips Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? So I think for me, it didn't come from a positive place. Right. And I started to feel good about my hair and about these things through social media. There's a natural hair movement. People Mm -hmm. are talking about recipes for Afro hair, for textured hair, like mixing shea butters and oils and all these, because hair is culture. Mm. And all this lost culture through slavery, through lots of different things, through, you know, people losing the art of sitting in circles, chatting with your aunties, Mm -hmm. very African, you know, Mm -hmm. chatting with your aunties and your mother's, you know, doing each other's hair. All these things were lost. And I found in a new digital way was being recreated. So I had no idea how to look after my hair as a grown woman. My mum had no idea how to look after my hair. And so she she waxed my hair at eight because she just couldn't cope. Yeah. But if she had was online like thirty years ago, and you know, Mavis from Atlanta, Georgia, gave her a fantastic recipe that would soften my hair and be able to like twist it at night, mm-hmm. it would have been a different world, maybe. Yeah. So I find that really encouraging. So the community really is community. There. Yeah. I find that really amazing. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of narcissism. There's a lot. This, you know taking a thousand pictures of yourself every day is probably not the healthiest thing. But it's a huge minefield in beauty. So I posted a selfie today, but I find it, it, it's a minefield because on the one hand, your, your face with things on it is part of the conversation. And yet taking pictures of yourself does feel slightly narcissistic. And then at the same time, why should I not put a picture of my face? It's a very confusing blurred line. I mean, for me, I was trying to find a picture of myself as a teenager and I, I, I found two. Because yeah. we did take pictures. We yeah. had, I had like a throwaway camera. Yeah. It cost a fortune to go to Boots and develop it. And I was like... And they'd often be blurry anyway. And they all be blurry. Yeah. And I was like, I literally have 10 pictures of myself in my teen years. Mm. And it is quite shocking. Um, but then at the same time, it's really fun. 
it's empowering who cares it's like I think if you you know and it's for me it's intention I think everything is intention if you want to put an image of yourself and share look this looks amazing that's yeah. who I am yeah I was always a garden school going I found an amazing raspberry red which would look, look, look great on you that was who I was and yeah. I could just do that to more people yeah that's where I come from yeah so you just want to share I want to share that's your thing share your fifth product with us oh my god <laughs> while we're on the, uh, the fifth subject product this is a toss up between a Bobbi Brown blush which I'm obsessed by called Chocolate Cherry is it a pot it, rouge it's a pot rouge mm. um, what is amazing about this is that it's again I've been told so many times in my childhood blush is not for black girls you can't do pigs you can't do berries it's a really beautiful natural blush for dark skin it's not crazy it's not it's just me like after i've been running in the park or just me healthy happy glowing yeah which is my favorite makeup i'm a natural makeup girl mm-hmm. so i was like oh, it's the angel singing again that i had a cream texture something fun and beautiful and aspirational that looks natural and pretty yeah. i just want to look pretty yeah i don't want to look fierce i don't want to mm-hmm. look fab i don't want to like the barbie i'm not yeah. a barbie i don't have a spear in my hand i don't, yeah. not, I don't have a whip i'm not a yeah. superhero like you know vixen i'm not kind of like you know yeah. you know not jackie brown though i yeah. can be on a certain yeah. day yeah but day to day, day to day i just want to look pretty and it makes me look pretty and yeah. i really appreciate that um the other product i love i love aromatherapy associates mm. i am a very sensorial like smell i have a really crazy sense of smell do you like crazy like a bloodhound my husband's okay. like i can never cheat you know where when and what fragrance she was wearing okay <laughs> i'm yeah. like who's that trap with yeah. the chanel allure who did you kiss the other day yeah <laughs> <Limited> edition yeah <laughs> um and um, i've got a really crazy keen sense of smell so candles are really important to me mm-hmm. essential oils are really important to me and mm-hmm. also i'm always looking for mood shifting I think I'm quite moody, if I'm mm-hmm. going to be honest. I can mm-hmm. be quite... I think I'm quite a naturally... I think a lot. I'm very introspective. Mm. I'm a very, I would say I'm a sociable loner. So right. I really love people, but I really like being by myself. So you have an artistic temperament then? Probably, yeah. Like a classically artistic yeah. temperament. Yeah, and I can, be, I can be very low. I can be very depressed. Mm-hmm. I can be very angry. I'm very moody. Mm-hmm. I think people don't really know that about me. Cause when they because see, you're very friendly and bubbly and yeah, yeah i mean i like people but then in my private time i can be incredibly moody mm-hmm. ask my husband mm-hmm. and uh and so for me mood shifting products really i love so like they have a the relax the deep relax these things which literally that's like, like alchemy i mean it just does amazing things like probably the valium or something yeah. like, yeah. i don't do drugs but like it's like if you want yeah. to pop prescription pills it's like that's incredible it will knock you out it makes yeah. your whole house smell amazing so i think essential oils good quality essential oils yes Think from like S-Bar, Aromatherapy Associates, things where I can be relaxed in a bath and just to breathe and to be by myself. Mm-hmm. That is really important. You know what? It's creating a, a semi-spiritual sacred space. Yes. Which is the dream. Which is the dream. And I think that is a product which really helps you do that. So it's a toss-up between blush, which is an everyday joy. Yeah. And this bath, which is a sacred, semi-religious space for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah somewhere you go to yes be. um so i'm gonna hope well hopefully this will be a positive note to yes. finish on do you feel like there have been positive changes made in the industry in under your watch in the time that you've been in the beauty industry huge i mean things are so different i mean i was telling this um i was just chatting to an influencer who's like i think she was 
barely 21 and we were talking about foundations and she's like i told her when i was your age when i was your age (laughs) sometimes brands only had four colors yeah she looked at me like i was insane yeah she's like nah she didn't believe her i'm like you would go to a counter and sometimes they would have four to six rates yeah i'm talking major beauty companies yeah and now it's the rush to do 30 you know you know there's so many people who do so many great colors Mm. Not only that, in the advertising, you know, the darker skin girl is not the sort of one in the background being the the backup cheerleader to the main girl in the advertorial. It feels mm-hmm. very equal. Um, there's women with curly hair. There's like my my daughter's a mixed heritage. My mm-hmm. husband's blonde, blue eyes, mm-hmm. and so there's girls who represent them. So that is hugely positive. But on the other hand. I still think there aren't there aren't colours. There's a lot of tokenism. I think you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you go when when the colours go darker. You see there's Beyonce and there's Grace Jones. Yeah, and there's kind of nothing. It's like tick tick. We've yeah. done it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like I, I had a PR once come up to me and, and it's a, it's she said to me, oh Adi, and we're so excited. We've got three more colours for darker skin tones. And it's this thing of you should be grateful. Yeah. It's that gratitude. Aren't you yeah. excited? We've got three new colours for dark skin. And she said, how do you feel about it? And I said, if you had three colours to choose from, how would you feel about it? And yeah. she went, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And, I, and as, when you start thinking about it in how you would feel, yeah. it starts to get crazy. Yeah. So, like, you've got th- the whole you and all your friends and family, every girl you know, have three colours to choose from. How do you, do you think that's cool? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. And be grateful for that. Because that's new. I'm, yeah. I mean, it is mind-boggling, isn't it? And the idea yeah. that that was worse. And it was worse. People were actively hostile. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was on counter, I had loads of women come to me because I looked very natural. And I, they were like, oh, that must be, for me, there's a huge suspicion when mm-hmm. you have darker skin tones. Because you're just so used to not being catered to properly not being spoken to services properly to being patronized the electric blue factor mm. and so it's um i th- always say women with darker skin tones have always been their own makeup artists because mm. you've had to be mm. you've had to be more educated to, than the girl on the counter because what they they just don't have a clue they're aggressive mm. it's a different world today with social media you can educate your yourself in a way that you couldn't before mm. Um, like when I began my career, people would come to the counter clutching an article I wrote going, oh, I want this article, yeah. which was used to fill me like that was so, I was so proud of that. But then now, you know, women go to the counter just to rubber seal their decision on a product and they often have more knowledge than the person sending it to them. Absolutely. And I think I like that. It's democratic. Yeah. I like that kind of equality. All the gatekeepers are, have come crushing down through technology. Yeah. You don't, I would, you know, I, my daughters will never have someone say, you can't do that. You can't do this. Pink isn't for black girls. You can't do a blush. You can't do this. They are so empowered with information with everything in a way I didn't have access mm-hmm. to until I got in the beauty industry. It's, I think, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And it's also credit to you because you're right at the, A at the helm telling people mm. it's not good enough and B looking yeah. after your daughters, making sure they're empowered. Yeah. I think it's, I think, well, thank you. And I think it's very important. I mean, it's a daily battle. I was just saying on the way here, one of my daughters was crying cause she's like, people will look at me and laugh if I have my hair down. So she's six years old and she already has this, image of being laughed at and other and she said oh mommy i hate my hair down it looks like a bird's nest and i'm like where are you getting this language from yeah. a bird's nest 
no one has ever spoken to you like this mm-hmm. and it was someone you know some little kid somewhere had said it to her so you are just your whole life you have to battle against the noise that society is telling you yeah. to try and find so i mean growing up being black or being other is so difficult because not only are you battling trying to find out who you are but you have to battle and wade through all the crap of what other people are telling you you are and that's what is exhausting yeah 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 because you've got to find yourself and that's already and also reject what (laughs) people are telling you you are yeah which is often uneducated lazy um disenfranchised having no power all these things just based on your skin my husband i came home going oh god i got followed around a shop today asked told something was very expensive mm-hmm. um they're not sure it comes in my size all this like sizes of all this crap every day it's exhausting and my husband was like oh yeah someone gave me the keys to lock up the hotel because i was writing and he didn't want to disturb me oh my god bless you so daniel mm. got, my husband literally got handed key because he was writing yeah, late yeah. at night yeah and he was writing working on his script and they could see that and he's this posh six foot two blonde yeah. very raw guy and the, they gave him the keys to a hotel that just put it through the box yeah but it's also that thing of if you look a certain way and you act a certain way like say catch me if you can yeah you can just get away with walking into anywhere doing yeah. people just sort of go yeah yeah fine yeah it's hideous i mean it's like god bless him that's his experience he's yeah. like i don't know any other way he's people are just always nice to him yeah People, it's like being a really beautiful supermodel. Yeah. They don't know, like, people... You've had no idea of what it's yeah. like to be, like, <laughs> He's yeah, like yeah. overweight, spotty, whatever. No, it's yeah. just like, people are always nice to me. And, like, like with my daughter, she's super cute. And, like, all these boys just give her presents. She yeah. gets given yeah. gifts. And I said, get used to it, Ola. Yeah. Get used to it. <laughs> but on the flip side, I do yeah. think it's character building. Like, I know that yes. you don't want to have your character built every bloody day. But yeah. I do think that... It's yeah. It can if everything be, it, goes well, you need to know how to deal with the rough. Yeah, you need to know how to deal with when things go wrong, mm. and I think that is a very. I think that's your job as a parent as well. Mm. But you're absolutely right, and also you don't have to be clever or funny or nice or whatever mm. when you have everything yeah. that people aspire to have. Yeah. So it can be. It can be a real. I mean, I I know a lot of girls who are models and who grew up just literally having free taxi rides free yeah. gifts like people people love to worship mm-hmm. and people worship beauty and beautiful things mm-hmm. and so literally they just grew up being worshipped and then the minute their looks went they were like what the hell say, happened it's also a kind it's of beauty though because yeah there are be- beauty absolutely lost if it's the beauty that is someone who has a sort of character yes. and a grace and yes. things that continue the Paul school of beauty yeah yes charlotte rampling all those people but if you're someone for whom beauty is being young and having no wrinkles and stuff you will inevitably fall from that throne and it will be horrible it will be horrific you don't you haven't got all the other stuff to to fall back on you haven't got you haven't got the sense of humor you haven't got the banter you haven't got the things which comes from being humiliated during your teens yeah and bouncing back yeah to, to, to help you um thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure and also for being so vocal both here and in life i think you're doing great things i think anyone who's listened to this will be like oh my god what a woman <laughs> so i'll include all of Ate's social handles oh thank you so much for having me thank you thanks bye. bye so that was the wonderful Ate duel and i hope you enjoyed that episode as much as i enjoyed recording it i could happily spend hours in Ate's company she is just completely fascinating and full of joy i just adore her So thank you very much for listening. Please do subscribe, rate and review the episode as I ask every single week. 
and come back next week when I'll be joined by another guest. See you then. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.